0: Miracy, How do you get people who are not totally bought into this yet, like they may be on board with it intellectually, but they're not necessarily jumping up and down to go through this training? How do you really help them make the most of it?
1: Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Eaney, the founder and CEO of Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal. Hey there, Danny. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Today, we welcome Christina Becker to the show. Christina is a Jungian analyst and the vice president of Becker Associates. Christina, thank you for coming on the show.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Danny. So I know that you're involved in
1: a lot of different things. So share with us the backstory. You know, how did you come to be doing what you're doing? What was the journey? What was the path that eventually made its way to online courses?
2: You know, being a Jungian analyst, I often get invited to speak at events. You know, local societies, they say, you know, come and do a workshop. And so I had a library. Of lectures and workshops that I had only delivered once. And I thought to myself, well, gosh, there would be a wider audience to that. And at the same time, I had this idea from the Canadian Nonprofit Academy that I wanted to offer an accessible on-demand training program for boards of directors. And so I had these parallel ideas, these parallel projects that meant a larger impact. And what we've done is we have created courses specifically for organizations so that they would put through a cohort of their board of directors through our program. And we created it around a core curriculum. We adapt it as we go to the specifics related to the organization. So If there's something in the core curriculum that's not quite right or doesn't quite fit, we will adapt it for them. The other thing I have is what I call the Jungian masterclasses, which is now evolving into a hybrid form, which I do mostly with a colleague and friend. I do lectures in which I record usually less than 10 minutes. And then we have a two and a half hour live Zoom call Where we work on what's happened during the week, dreams, and then there's a time for creative processing. And people get to share and be in breakout groups. And that's actually working really well because what we do is we give people 45 minutes or so to just be with whatever creative process they want to do. And then they come back and share. And we're getting 20, 25 people, which is a nice number for this kind of intimate group.
1: So you've got two very different sides of your business going on. I mean, it's not even two sides of your business. It's two different businesses.
2: It's two different businesses, yeah.
1: And that's not what we would recommend usually. It's like, you know, you and I have had conversations about this. You know, Usually the advice is to pick a lane. That's not what you want to yes. do. <laughs>
0: right?
1: How have you balanced that? How have you managed that? How have you pursued both of these paths in a way that worked and that didn't, you know, burn you out and that, you know, one didn't cannibalize the other and so forth?
2: Well, it did burn me out. <laughs> So every once in a while, I kind of go, okay, I need a week off. So burnout is kind of like a turbo engine, right? There's a lot of flame at the beginning, and then it kind of peters out. I think over the last couple of years or so, more and more of my energy and priority has been with the Canadian Nonprofit Academy. There's a lot of passion there. And There's a lot of need. And when I think about it and when I really connect to the impact that I want to make, I feel like the nonprofit sector has a lot to offer and can make people's lives so much better. And when they don't have a board that is properly trained in their roles and responsibilities, their impact in their community suffers. So when I start talking about that, I get really energized and I've got a whole bunch of ideas and so I'm really actually just following the energy of where I feel like whatever my life purpose is where that wants to go at the moment and at the moment there's just a lot of energy for the Canadian Nonprofit Academy. There are some weeks in which my private practice as a Jungian analyst and the Canadian Nonprofit Academy they do clash and I kind of go oh boy at the end of the week I need a good Sunday to not do anything. That's happening a little bit less frequently as I get more aware of balancing my workload.
1: Awesome. So I'm very curious about how you designed and how you deliver these courses, because it's a very unusual situation compared to most courses. You're not delivering it to an individual. You're delivering it to a team, right? The board of a nonprofit. And, you know, you're successful when they are all successful and learn to work together well. And so you've got to corral a whole bunch of different people, some of whom may be more invested, some of whom may be less invested. You've got to deal with different personality styles, different learning styles. How do you approach that? And what has evolved about the way you deliver your courses, you know, from the very first version in response to things you've learned along the way?
2: Yeah, for sure. It's a great, great question. There were a couple of things I really did initially model it on the course builders laboratory, this idea that. There was a governance coach available to the board that would be available to them as they go through the program. So I designed the program with that in mind, that if they go through the program, they could ask me any question in the discussion board and they could set up a phone call with me at any point during the program. And so I have had a number of calls and it's been really, really successful And it gives them an opportunity to actually apply their knowledge. And that for me was really, really important when I was creating the CNPA courses is that they could learn a ton, but they actually have to be able to apply it when they're in a board meeting and they has to be accessible to that. end, I also created a subscription model. So that boards get to have access to all of the material for as long as they pay for it. So there's an initial fee at the beginning, and then there is a lesser fee for each subsequent year with the idea that if board members need to review the material, they have it readily available. So if they're sitting in a board meeting going, oh, yeah, I think I heard or I read about this thing. I want to go back and check having it accessible to them means that hopefully they will review it if a question comes up. And the second reason I created it that way was so that if a new board member came onto the board, they would have immediate access to training. And often I think that means that they could be pretty fully functional as soon as they get to the table. The other thing I did was being so aware Because most governance training is you have somebody, they come in and they deliver like a four or five hour lot of information to board members who are very busy and they may be thinking about their kids or what they have to be doing. I was so mindful of making sure that the lessons were less than 10 minutes, so Lesson is like six, seven, eight minute video. And it's also available on audio and in a transcript to take into account various learning styles. And that seems to be working so that people, you know, if they're in their car or they're, you know, making dinner, they can just say, "Okay, I'm going to, you know, take 15 minutes and listen to this particular lesson. So I was really, really mindful to make it really accessible for adult learners and for busy people. The other thing that I did was made sure I incorporated a lot of things related to teams to say, you are a team. And so there's a whole lesson on teams and what does a dysfunctional team look like? And so those are the kind of the things that I did to make it accessible, to make it relatable to adult learners and easy to digest.
0: How did you find that working? Or were there challenges or roadblocks you encountered that you had to kind of iterate and adapt and change the course over time?
2: I've done two iterations of the course. I think it's time to do a third. So that's on the plan for maybe a year or so. The biggest thing is getting people to complete. That's been the biggest thing. And so we've put into place kind of like emails from me reminding people or just trying to highlight a certain aspect of the training, you know, three, four, six months out. Working with the champions, so that could have been the board chair or the executive director to say, How can you bring it up at a board meeting in which you raise the awareness that this needs to be done? We've encouraged boards to make it mandatory and so that they actually create a motion to say this training is mandatory. It's part of what your obligation is. That seems to be working. And the other thing we've done is we send progress reports to the main person every month so they can see exactly where everybody is in the program so then they can follow up. That's working. At least what we know is that then it's front of mind, right? That at least somebody in the organization is aware that these are the people who've completed and these are the people who haven't completed. So that's the big iteration. That's what I'm still working on. Because my goal, it's 100% completion. Like That's my goal. So far, not so good.
0: (laughs) Well, there's completion and then there's like, what are people doing based on what they've learned, right? Like, is that something that you attempt to, you know, look at or gather input in on some way?
2: Yes. And in our course evaluation at the end, you know, one of the main questions is that has this helped you and why? So we get a sense of that. I think the biggest affirmation that I got about the program was somebody who said they had been a board member for 16 years and found that our program deepened their ability to be a good fiduciary of their organization. And so I figured I was, you know, on the right track related to that. The other thing we've had, which is really great, is we've got people who've completed and then said, oh, yes, we need to have this program for our organization. And so then they initiate a conversation with other boards that they're on. And so we've sold three or four programs after that just from board members who've done it on other organizations. So that was actually really great. Very cool. Yeah.
1: Christina, can you share a little bit about the business model side of things? Just, I mean, you're, again, your business is quite different from a lot of online course businesses. It's not that someone will Google, how do I become a better board member, find your website, put in a credit card, and they're off to the races. So how much does the program cost and how does it work in terms of number of people and length and and your costs to fulfill and how do you get found and what's the enrollment? Like, tell us about all of that.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the business model Fundamentally, is that we want to be the partner of organizations in their board governance training, in their board development process. So we created it based on a subscription model. So the idea is that they would pay a slightly larger fee upfront, ranging from $2,000 to $6,000, depending on the size of the board. And then The idea is that as they evolve and as we evolve, they always have access to training. We wanted to make sure that they had that available to them and that they didn't have to reinvent the wheel every time a new board gets on. Mainly at the moment, we're having a lot of success with people just Googling us. Like I say, how did you find us? And they said, well, we just put in board development or board training and there you were. So I think we're coming up pretty much on page one or page two of Google, which is great. And then we also have included on our website a free governance assessment so people can fill in the assessment and then they get a score out of 100 and they can see basically where they are against best practices. So hopefully at that point, they will then reach out and hopefully they will then schedule a discovery call. So like, you know, a B2B selling process, it can take a long time. We can take sometimes three or four or five months till we get a go. So I've done videos and sent follow-up emails and things like that. So sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. A couple of times people have said, "Oh yes, okay, I know, I've seen your website. We're going to buy it." But then we have to send an invoice and you know, kind of traditional you know check curve, or EFT or, or all of that kind of stuff. The business model, I think, is slightly different than most nonprofits have encountered in the past, because traditionally they would go out, find a trainer, the trainer would come and deliver something either online or in person, and then they would assume that that would be it. So this idea of the subscription model is something that is new for the sector. And I remember spending a lot of time thinking about how do we explain the benefits of that?
1: I'm curious if this is not how the sector usually organizes What prompted you to say, no, I'm going to do this on a subscription basis anyway? And how have you overcome any confusion or resistance that they might have had?
2: I came up with the subscription model because based on the philosophy that board development and board training is an ongoing thing. It's not just a one-off thing. So I needed to create a kind of a sense of security, a sense of comfort. That we were building something that they could rely on in the long term and that we would continually adapt and upgrade the program based on best practices, which we actually have done. It takes the reinventing of the wheel out of the equation. I'd had a couple of conversations with people that said, oh, yes, we had a live training like two or three years ago where we put out an RFP and we interviewed a number of people and then they came in and delivered a training, but we haven't done it since then. And so then there's, a you know, half or three quarters of the board members who have had no training and then maybe 10 or 20 percent of other board members who have training. So then you don't have the team cohesion at the board because not everybody is on the same page. So I thought, okay, what could I put into place that would help board members be on the same page as quickly as possible so that they're fully functioning as a team? So that was the problem that I was trying to solve when I went to the subscription model. In terms of the obstacles, I've had a couple of people kind of go, okay, well, yes, that's our intention, but we have to go back to the board every year to get approval. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I can, I can work around that. The sector has been more about one-offs, right? Like we'll do it every couple of years or we'll do it every three years or whatever. And the education piece is that no board training or development is an ongoing personnel management activity that you have to put in front of center. And that is the major mindset shift, I think with nonprofit boards. I think the biggest thing that I've learned, you know, in this journey is both the need and the excitement for iteration. Like once you create a course, like that's not it. You know, it's a dance between your students and yourself and learning new things. And I think for me that's been really really fun because I love this idea of improving and making it more relevant and how can we make it better and How can people learn more from it? So this idea of for course creators is that it is a constant evolution. It's constant iteration around how to make the course better, how to make it more relevant. How can people apply it to whatever it is that you're training? I personally love to learn and I love to teach. So that's what gets me. (laughs) That's my lane, I think. I love to learn. I love to teach there are a lot of things in that lane. I'm good.
1: That'll keep you going.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Awesome. This was great. I don't have any other questions. I have a lot of notes. So this was great. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you. It was really fun. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about this.
0: Christina Becker is the vice president of Becker Associates, as well as the creator of the Union Masterclasses. You can learn more about her nonprofit training over at Canadian-NonprofitAcademy.com. That's Canadian-NonprofitAcademy.com.
1: Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. Abe, where shall we begin?
0: What really stuck with me is this challenge, but also opportunity of creating learning experiences where the buyer and the learner are somewhat different, even though they're related. And so in Christina's nonprofit training, she's essentially selling this concept to a board of a nonprofit or an executive director, or maybe sometimes some key influencer in that organization, but usually it would be the director or the chairperson of the board. But For her training to really have an impact, what she needs is for everyone on the board to go through it, to understand it deeply, and to apply it in how they run their board meetings and make decisions and govern the nonprofit, which is a bit different than the kind of typical course we talk about where someone signs up to take a course because they want to improve their own watercolor painting or because they're having trouble communicating with their kids and they just buy it for themselves. So it's a pretty interesting context and it raises a real challenge around how do you motivate and engage people who didn't even like sign up for or commit to this training on their end. But it's also a big opportunity to scale the impact, right, to help change the way that nonprofits operate by reaching countless board members that you just couldn't impact through one-on-one coaching or through more labor-intensive methods. And to some extent, it's kind of an unsolved problem, right? Like, as Christina said, she's still kind of figuring that out, right? How do you get people who are not totally bought into this yet? Like, they may be on board with it intellectually, um, but they're not necessarily jumping up and down to go through this training. How do you really help them make the most of it? The experiments that she's doing to connect and serve those people are really interesting. And hopefully we'll you know talk to more course creators, doing some more things and learn more best practices and innovations that people are figuring out and how to do that. It's just a really interesting problem.
1: It is. I found also really interesting the discussion that you had with Christina around kind of completion versus maybe other metrics of success. because. Not everyone wants to go through a course kind of from start to finish. We, the creators, want them to. We want everyone to want to do that. It's a great course. Don't they know that? I mean, but just like some people like to read mysteries starting in the last chapter. A lot of people think that's heresy. But I mean, hey, if you're reading a mystery, read it however you want. So kind of having just a clarity on what are the different ways that you can measure the impact of your course. One is completion, but another is, you know, she has her feedback forms at the end, which people complete. And that's a good sign because if people are checked out, then. They tend not to fill out those forms, but gathering, well, what has the impact been and how has it made a difference for you and your work and for the organization you're a part of? I think that's really important. So just getting creative around how to measure success and what is the success that is meaningful for your student is really important. And on the topic of getting creative, I really liked that she had this idea that it would just make more sense for this to be subscription-based than one-time course-based, so to speak even though it wasn't generally done that way in the industry. And she's made it work, by and large, quite nicely. And it's driven her business very well and created a stable foundation for these boards where people often rotate on and off of the board. and So there's a fair amount of turnover for them to have some continuity in terms of how to operate successfully and effectively as a team. So just a good note there around kind of not necessarily being constrained by the box of this is how I think people typically do things in my industry.
0: Yeah, applies to both the learning model and the business model.
1: Yeah. And I mean, frankly, to her refusal to pick a lane, that's not what we'd recommend generally. But, you know, she makes it work in her context. And, and I think a big part of it is that things kind of come in seasons, right? So you can have multiple things going on. But this season, this is the priority. And this season, that is the priority. And as long as you're clear on what is the thing that you are primarily focused on, what is kind of the secondary at the moment, you can kind of make it work.
0: And some, I think it's just about knowing yourself too, right? Some people are really good at just focusing very deeply on one kind of strategy and, and priority. And they're just going to do that with intense focus. And, you know, other people might just get kind of bored and restless doing that. And they really need a second thing to keep their creativity flowing. Awesome. That's all I've got. Um, you want to read us out? Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Dave Crystal, co-founder and CEO of RZQ, here with Dan Eaney, founder and CEO of Mercy. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM a podcast network, which also includes such shows as Self-Awakened Lifestyle and Making It. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Eni is our executive producer, host production by Post Office Sound. Another big thanks to Christina Becker for coming onto the show today. Remember, you can learn more about her over at cjbecker.com. To make sure you don't miss the excellent episodes coming up on Course Lab, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, go ahead and leave us a star review. It really does make a difference. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.